Hey, this is the VR Gear Daily News Podcast, episode 31 for March 16th, 2020. So today we have some very uh, interesting and uh, I mean, we try to avoid it, but there's some uh, CDC and coronavirus updates kind of mixed in with the news today. But we do have uh, some topics we'd like to cover regarding the uh, GDC conference and some of the new updates from Facebook. We'd also like to talk about some new experiences that are all about the Oculus Quest. And finally, we're going to talk about uh, the impact of telemedicine uh, well, and virtual reality. So, uh, Paul, where are we going to start today? Let's start uh, on the fun end, and we'll finish with some not-so-fun topics. Let's talk about Facebook and what they announced today, which will lead us into the Oculus Quest experience. So, uh, Facebook, as we talked about last week, is releasing... Um, not releasing, I guess, it would be more of hosting online four different days of developer talks and conferences. We wrote about it and included their video of, um, what, what do they call it? The Game Developer Showcase. So, uh, <laughs> Because you can't they... call it a conference if nobody is physically exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> showcase. showcase. Game Developer YouTube Playlist. Ah. <laughs> exactly. Something like that. Uh, so what they did is they announced four different things that are going to be talked about throughout the week. The first is actually we'll, we'll go backwards because I want to finish with this one to jump into that story. So they said that each day at 10 a.m. Pacific time, which is California time, which is for us 11 a.m., uh, they're going to be releasing new news until the 19th. That is until Wednesday, uh, but Wednesday is supposed to be an all day type of news day. Um, the next thing they talked about today was uh, starting later this month, add-on content and in-app purchases will now be enabled on the Oculus Quest. And uh, that's not good news. No. So well, okay, it's good news for de- yeah, it's good news for developers. It's horrible news for parents because now if you don't protect your account, your kids are going to go rack up a thousand dollar in-app purchase bill. Or you'll download an app and you'll think that you're going to get some value out of it and you'll end up hitting a paywall halfway through the first level that says, would you like to buy 15 coins for $10? Why do I need coins? I was playing a game, not buying a game. I hate coins. Why do I need to have coins? I hate coins in my pockets. I hate coins in video games. I hate coins in jars and in couch cushions. Actually, uh, finding them in couch cushions is kind of cool. Yeah, it's fun. If it's quarters. It's like a piece of history. Maybe. Nickels and pennies, it's just annoying. They shouldn't exist. Anyway, in-app purchases. So that means we're going to see a lot more free experiences at the Oculus stores, but they will have a lot of paywalls inside of them. Next was a prototype open XR, which is a royalty-free open standard... Something or other, Mark. Do you want to talk about this one? The prototype open XR. Uh, no, this this is actually helpful. Um, so XR is is uh, an abbreviation for all types of reality. So AR, VR, MR is jumping right to XR because people are lazy. But I think it should just settle with VR because it's all virtual anyway. 
Anywho, um, what this is doing um, is creating, it, this is from the Kronos Group, which is a notorious open source group. Uh, and they're trying to create an SDK that will allow for a lot easier development of virtual content, um, mixed reality content, augmented reality content, and, and helping developers uh, get over the hurdles of some of the more complex stuff that doesn't really have a lot to do with uh, the app they're trying to build or the experience they're trying to build. So here's an example. If you need to do uh, tracking, your need to do tracking is identical to everyone else's need to do tracking. And so writing your own framework to do tracking is a massive time investment. And at the end of the day, a waste of time if that, that uh, framework can be given to you through an SDK. Another example would be, uh, you know, um, like rendering pipelines. You don't want to bring your own rendering pipeline uh, into these things. And for the most part, you don't need to. But what is going to happen here is that through the Kronos group, you have a royalty-free open standard that is allowing you to uh, jump in and build all of your different mixed reality XR, you know, XR content for right. free. Now, here's the interesting thing here. For anyone that uses the Unreal Engine, you already know that Unreal is a free platform, but it's backed by a, a public company that invests in the development and further development of their um, 3D uh, design tools, the Unreal Engine. They invest in that. And the reason it's free to use is that there's a uh, royalty agreement on the back end for anyone that used the Unreal Engine to develop a, a game. And the, the agreement is something like, uh, Epic Games gets 5% of your profits if you sell a game and it makes money. If you make a game with the Unreal Engine and it's a free game, then they don't make any money and neither do you. So that's kind of the agreement with the Epic, uh, Epic Games Unreal Engine. Now this OpenXR thing, it's, uh, it's open source. Uh, it's a royalty-free standard. So arguably, um, if this thing was as robust as the Unreal Engine, people might be able to start relying on it. So we'll see. Like, this is something that if Facebook starts backing this, then it might get the attention that it needs to have all of the different frameworks and tools so that uh, developers of VR experiences can uh, use it, uh, like confidently use it. Because the last thing you want to do is uh, decide to use um, a, a, you know, a, a development environment that is not going to be supported next year. Um, so this is kind of a, this is a very positive thing to see a mm -hmm. big company like Facebook say that they're going to start um, using and de further developing and supporting the open XR uh, development environment. So this is pretty cool. Um, this is exciting for uh, developers. But if you're right. in the middle of developing with uh, Unreal Engine, uh, just keep doing it. Or if you're building augmented reality apps with like AR kit from Apple, you, you know, just keep doing it. All these other platforms, they're essentially doing the same thing. I think what Facebook is doing is that they needed to get their own, you know, house in order. They didn't have their own, like, truly robust, um, you know, frameworks in place. I mean, they had what they got from Oculus, but, you know, they, I think more than anything, they got kind of a, a, a market trend and a cultural shift, and, and they got some technology out of it, but um, Oculus was synonymous with, you know, consumer VR. Um, and that's kind of what Facebook got out of it. And so they need to keep pushing the envelope and, and um, supporting the infrastructure 
from you know soup to nuts you got to figure out the operating system all these software frameworks for the sdk and you got the hardware stuff like there's a lot of stuff to consider and solve and uh it's it's encouraging to see facebook doing this uh yeah it is i agree the next one they talked about uh was the thriving ecosystem over 20 games have passed the 1 million revenue mark just for the quest uh which is pretty promising uh is this is is that what we covered or we did what what was it? That was over 100 VR games total passing the 1 million mark. So now I guess a fifth of them all come from the Quest, the platform that hasn't been out for a year yet. It's pretty impressive. That makes sense, right? Um, 90% of all people who turned on their Oculus Quest for the first time also bought something from the Quest store, or not the Quest store, the uh, Oculus store for the first time ever, which is pretty interesting i guess that's not surprising though time, yeah they're all first-time buyers like i don't know what you don't get any free get, what i guess you get robo recall and that's the only free like totally free game that is a full game everything else is like would you like the demo version of creed and you're like yes don't mind no. if i do and then you use it and you're like i'm so glad i didn't pay for that <laughs> exactly <laughs> and lastly we're gonna jump into a whole story about this one oculus uh, the Oculus Quest has a whole entire new uh, system experience is what they're calling it, but it, look, it looks like a huge update to their operating system. So obviously it's going to be a new experience, but they're also going to have a lot of new functionality features. Um, we talked about this, uh, I think, every day, which is how the, food, or the 3D models inside of virtual reality and the input that we have right now isn't going to get the job done if we want VR to be a part of the future inside, other than gaming, right? And we saw something last week, and we're going to talk about it more this week, is VROS, which was a concept designed by a guy on YouTube uh, where everything is 2D inside of your 3D space, and now it looks like Oculus is doing the exact same thing. So... Uh, which is really cool. Well, we're, we're still part. stuck. Yeah, we're, I mean, yeah, we're still stuck with the same problem of uh, high enough resolution to read anything <laughs> what? in right. VR. That, that, that's that's a huge uh, bottleneck right now. But uh, the idea that they want to do this is pretty cool. So I'm going to go over the functionality features of it. They are noticing um, that. <clears throat> Sorry, the redesigned uh, universal menu is something that we, we will talk about. The new immersive overlays, which is going to let you uh, look at the menu inside of the game without putting out of the game. And then the browser is now not only coming to the Quest, but it's also coming in multiple windows, which is going to improve your functionality the most. Mark, out of those three features, what do you think is going to be... I already know what you're going to say, but talk about actually just the multiple windows inside of VR on the Quest and what you think that experience will be like. Uh, quite honestly, the, this is going to be a very uh, fun time for you know Oculus. I, I mean, the Facebook version of Oculus because um, they're they're given the opportunity to try to supplant existing computer. Uh, interactive like interaction paradigms uh, they're gonna they get to disrupt it and they get to think of new ways to solve the problem um, 
that are different than what we have today, which is like a, a trackboard and a keyboard or a track, uh, a keyboard and a mouse or a touch screen. Like now we have 3D environments, we have virtual reality, uh, which allows us to do overlays of, you know, virtual objects or uh, overlays of real objects with augmented reality. Uh, and so when it comes to the, the, the most exciting part about this um, is hopefully we get a, it's funny to say this, but the original uh, Oculus that was like a, a, a sitting experience at your desk and maybe you <laughs> would hold a game controller or maybe you would use a keyboard and mouse, but it's like you would hold a game controller and you just play from a sitting position. It's like we're returning to that because at the end of the day, you can't stay in VR as long as you could stay at your desk um, working on things, even playing a game. Like if you think about it, how long could you sit and play a game um, on your PC with your keyboard and mouse. Well, I've you've seen me do that for decades. No, of days hours. you could do days, days, days. days nonstop, continuous as long Ask as. Ask Ninja about that. Uh, yeah, it, it, like these streamers, they're not in VR because who knows how? Long, and if they were, they would probably be in a sitting position using a controller rather than their arms because you can't be waving your arms around all day long. Uh, and so, bringing the uh, desktop productivity tools into VR in a very meaningful way uh, and in a in a, uh, a logical way is the most exciting thing to me. Now, we're, we're stuck with a technology problem. If you've ever tried to read something in VR, the screen door effect becomes abundantly clear at, that, that, that this is a technology limitation. And uh, last week, we were when we were talking to this gentleman who, who um, teased the VR OS, uh, we had kind of a preliminary call, and we'll we'll feature him on the uh, the podcast uh, hopefully later this week. But mm -hmm. the conversation we had with him was about uh, the limitations of display resolution in VR, not letting you see uh, in enough detail to to read text. And that's what computer. I'm I'm looking at my screens now. I've got all of these monitors that have. have text all over them. If I wasn't able to read them, my monitors would become virtually useless. I could watch a low resolution movie, but why would I do that when I can watch a 4K movie on a 75 inch TV, like at home or whatever, right? Like there's no reason to like, and that's what, like Netflix and VR, like, yeah, it seems cool. But then if you look at it, you're like, this is not a very high resolution experience. And it's, I, that's something I went to a few times. It's not as like, why I don't want to put a black box in my head and I can watch it on my phone. Sorry to interrupt, but keep going. No, yeah, you're right. So, and, and what that, that brings me to the uh, possible solution. We have the Pimax uh, headsets. We have this Pimax 8K X, uh, which probably costs, you know, an arm, a leg, your firstborn and lastborn, um, <laughs> whatever. And everyone in between. Without the controllers, how much does it cost? I'm seeing here, uh, it's, it's 1300 bucks just for the headset without anything else. Um, but the cool thing is you can buy this thing uh, with Valve Index controllers and base stations, which is pretty sweet. Um, but it's the Pimax Vision 8KX. And um, on, the web, on the website for this, it shows the, uh, the difference in the resolution between the 8K Max and the uh, 8K display. Um, and it, it's very noticeable. And, you would need that type of resolution to even pull off what this VROS is doing. And if Oculus wants to get into that space where they are um, increasing uh, productivity with a new uh, productivity environment, 
in, uh, in in the Oculus experience, they really need to consider the the implications of having low resolution when people are trying to do things that require a high resolution display. Um, because pretty quickly, like you, you, your eyes can overcome the screen door effect, but only to a point. It starts to strain and your eyes get tired very quickly. Well, I noticed about this, which I think is kind of funny. So I remember we, we got our Quest, I think it was two months before we got our Rift S, right? Uh, and obviously the first game, and we talk about this a lot on our website, the first game we always play with a new headset or new controllers or anything is Beat Saber. And I, I played Beat Saber a lot on the Quest. I put the Rift S on for the first time. And the first block I slashed, I was like, whoa. It's just like better in every way, right? There's, there's a lot more crisp. Uh, the audio is better. Everything is better. So for this new uh, operating system, these new system features to only be on the Quest and not the Rift S, I'm kind of confused on why they wouldn't, especially when the Rift S can harness all the power of the PC and the Quest can't. We talked about the chip inside of the Quest. It's the equivalent of an iPhone 7. So I don't know why they wouldn't bring this to the Rift S. But again, the initiative is the more impressive part, not the features yeah, themselves. Yeah, you're giving it too much credit. Is the iPhone 6S? Just make sure that. Oh yeah, I get, we go back and forth on that. But again, <laughs> it's it's the initiative and the idea that they know what customers want is more impressive than any of these features because on the Quest, like you said, they're going to be kind of useless without a better resolution. Yeah. Well, uh, it's cool that you're thinking about it, um, and that that uh, uh, it'll it'll be fun to dig into this a little bit more with uh, the gentleman that. Uh, He's the VROS prototype that he, he right. put together. But very cool. This is exciting news. I mean, it's it's progress, right? Slowly but surely. We need better hardware. It's funny because it's like chicken or the egg. Like the, the, the headsets get really great. And then there's a use case that makes the headsets seem like they're garbage. Right. <laughs> then we get these great use case ideas, but we can't yet use them because the headsets haven't caught up yet. Then we have these headsets that are way expensive and they just outdo themselves. No one can get them. And, you know, and then we have great headsets and the software hasn't really been fully fleshed out because there were no users of it yet. Right. You got this chicken or the egg problem. What do you do? Give us a great headset first or do you give us a great platform experience first? Uh, you know, because either way, they're, they're not coming out at the same time. That's why you need like a top to bottom integrated experience. Like when the iPhone came out, we weren't waiting for someone else to come up with an operating system for it. Right. When iOS 11 or 12 with AR kit came out, we weren't waiting for a phone to take advantage of that software. Exactly. The same company uh, solved both problems. And that's kind of how we're looking at this with Oculus. Like, okay, you're a gigantic social media software company, Facebook, and you have a hardware division with Oculus. You really do need to release a headset and software that uh, can come out at the same time to, uh, utilize the latest technology each each for each side the hardware and the software so we're really waiting on whoever whoever can come out with hardware and software uh, the whole technology stack at the same time we haven't seen it yet i just real quick before we jump into this uh covid news and i guess it's not really news it's just a observation about uh medicine and vr but who if you had to take one guess right now knowing the players in vr who who would accomplishes this first the, the the only people in a position to do it um right now would be uh, facebook because they have existing like supply chains that are building headsets right mm -hmm. if we were to see some sort of surprise 
you know, surprise and delight or, you know, one more thing announcement from a company like Apple or Google, um, then, then it would be one of those two. But at the end of the day, the company that is already doing this, and we just don't talk a lot about it because the applications are strictly enterprise, is Microsoft with the, with the HoloLens. They've already started They've done doing it. it. Yeah. But I don't know that you're able to do like word processing with a HoloLens necessarily. Um, you are able to do like 3D, uh, 3D model review and you're able to like watch things and look at um, images of sorts. But uh, and do overlays of like large text callouts, but you can't look at like a multi-page document on this thing. Um, so I mean, right now, I guess the people in running would be Facebook and Microsoft, unless we've got some secret stuff going on behind the scenes at Apple, which a lot of things kind of point to that. But we have no real actionable information to uh, substantiate whether or not that's true. So that's kind of my guess, which is a non-guess. You're welcome. Thank you. You uh, covered all uh, questions except for the answer that I asked. But um, let's yeah, this telemedicine thing, VR, COVID nineteen, as you know, and as you pointed out to me earlier, uh, and as everybody kind of knows, this whole uh, pandemic is breaking out and it continues to break out inside the United States. If you are well enough to stay home and you don't need the assistance of a doctor, other than them telling you that you're sick. You're being asked to stay home, uh, but that doesn't mean you don't need any more guidance, I guess. And so a lot of people are doing are these FaceTime calls, Skype calls with their, uh, what is it called, their healthcare providers um, to get more guidance. Uh, and you pointed out to me this morning, the VR could really take a step forward with this to help with it. So I wrote a piece about that. Um, but before we get into that, tell me what you think the future looks like with VR and telemedicine. So um, VR is um, just a different medium to experience it or or maybe uh, review some of the health information that a patient would want to share with a healthcare provider. Uh, We don't have super robust mixed reality VR headsets that will allow us to wear VR headsets on either side of a call and then see each other's faces like real faces and like real bodies for like examination and things like that. We have avatars today. Uh, but if there was some way to, um, change that, to have, you know, actual images like a FaceTime call mixed with a VR headset, that'd be really great to see. There's a really cool, uh, startup, um, they're not really a startup. They've been around for a while, but they were a telemedicine company that was using this, um, interesting, um, uh, ultrasound wand that a consumer would have at their house and they would plug it into an iPad and uh, they would set up a FaceTime call with their doctor and the doctor using a, a either a desktop computer or another iPad could tell the patient where to aim this ultrasound wand on their body, how to rotate it and all that stuff with visual cues on the iPad. And so there was a couple of things on the screen. If you can imagine this, there was the readout of the ultrasound so that the consumer could see it and the doctor could see it. Right. And then there were directional arrows that would tell the, uh, the user where to move the ultrasound wand. And then there was rotation arrows that would say, you need to rotate it slightly. And then the cool thing was the doctor on the other end could control the depth of what the ultrasound was picking up. Wow. So that's kind of how ultrasounds work anyway. Like when you're scanning, let's say 
a baby uh, that, you know, inside of a woman that's still pregnant, the, the doctors do some really interesting stuff with the ultrasound. They not only do, um, you know, the orientation and the, the location, but they can control the depth of the ultrasound. So they can give you like a, and I've seen it, you know, several times with my own children, they can give you a, an idea of the circumference of the baby's head. And the way they do that is by, you know, um, increasing the depth or decreasing the depth that the ultrasound is reaching inside of the, you know, inside of the, uh, the, the belly of the mom. And so, I mean, the doctor can control that. They just can't control where it is on the body. That's where the user can control it. Cool stuff. And so um, when it comes to it, like VR is another way to visualize that. And it is a potentially a really helpful thing um, for doctors to, to have a more immersive view of what's going on with their patients. Now, I think things like VR chat, like we, we bring this up a little bit, but um, if you're not a, let's say you're not going to the hospital for a physical injury, like you weren't damaged and you're not, you don't need physical therapy. You don't need an x-ray or anything like that, but maybe you're going for some mental health checkup. Uh, VR is actually a really great way to administer mental health. And we've seen this with some of the other um, content that we've shared about uh, people with PTSD. Uh, virtual reality can help recreate those moments that um, caused some trauma and help the, the wearer of a VR headset kind of rewrite the script. We saw it with someone who was uh, afraid of heights and uh, being in VR, you know, just small chunks of time over a couple month period for a total of two hours of like facing his fears. Mm -hmm. If you recall, Paul, yeah. he, he was able to completely overcome his fear of heights. Well, yeah, it was amazing. There was a it was lot amazing. Of therapy going on between, but VR was a huge player in that. Yeah. Cause I mean, he was afraid of a, a visual thing, uh -huh. which was like, seeing how high above the ground he was and that's what scared him right. and if you've played any vr games like you can recreate that <laughs> almost to a fault right? uh, i don't know <laughs> yeah like i don't know how we should oh just add a gigantic like hole in the ground right next to him that'll terrify that'll him. Get him. Think of a monster just make a hole in the ground uh, so this whole idea of using um virtual reality Mixed reality, augmented reality, and healthcare is incredibly important. Like, imagine this: uh, using just your mobile phone, you do a, a, a virtual overlay of like an arm that is broken, mm -hmm. right? right? And you take the X, you you take the X-ray data, and then you're able to like look at the broken bone with the digital overlay of of real real uh, you know X-ray data. Right. That'd be really cool. Mm -hmm. and they add color and they add like the actual textures, right? So like. I don't know. That's just one example. Or you, you can't visualize mental illness, but it would be cool if you you know aimed your device well, at someone's face and it says like, "Hey, this person's got a." That would uh, be a little revealing. But you can. What you can do with mental illnesses, you can get three D diagrams and three D uh, views of what the brain is doing when those illnesses are prominent and uh, and when they're acting, how the brain is or isn't responding to a different treatment. Obviously, you're not going to get that in real time with the person that needs it. But it, Well, maybe you, that's what that's what biofeedback is. You heard of biofeedback. Yeah. It's like you, you look at a readout of what your body's doing right now, and then the doctor kind of uh, helps you see ways that you can control it. So let's say you're having a really high emotion and your heart, like really strong emotion, and your heart rate is jumping really high. Uh -huh. What, what biofeedback does is it helps you realize that there's a connection between your emotions and your body's response. And that if you can kind of calm your emotions, your body kind of 
follows. Um, and then it gets to the point where you can get your body to control the emotions that you're feeling by setting yourself up to be more calm or more alert or whatever. It's, it's a really interesting thing, this biofeedback thing. And, and VR could really help with enhancing the type of visuals that you'll see while doing biofeedback. And you can get a full uh, stereoscopic view of it, which is, again, it could be helpful to some people. Other people might just be as good as a 2D readout. But uh, like you said, it's helpful and it's pushing and it's innovative. It's pretty cool. So I'm excited to see how they can. There is another, uh, there is a hospital doing this right now. It's called XR Health. And what they're doing is kind of what you discussed was just creating these clinics where it's just you're meeting up. You're talking about symptoms, treatments and stuff. Obviously, it's not physical uh, ailments that need to be cured by a doctor, but rather uh, preventative medicine. So uh, they're doing great. But I think this entire coronavirus thing is going to hopefully help a lot of companies and um, healthcare providers realize that it's something that can be taken advantage of. It's just an extra uh, something I talked about in the article as well quick before we wrap up was VR automation and how. Obviously, it would take a lot of uh, work on the developer end, but um, it's almost like a WebMD inside of VR where you tell them what uh, is going on and they can tell you how to fix it without a real trained professional having to take up their time to do it. So it's almost like a hospital in VR where you can uh, go and all these other healthcare professionals can focus on people who need immediate responses. So that's also an idea. I'm not in a position to make it. Hopefully, someone that is sees it. But uh, there's a lot that could be done with it. No, that's good stuff. And and I, I think any fears that medical providers have around the, like this threatening their their livelihood or their job, I think I think that's just uh, unfounded. Because w- what ends up happening is that uh, doctors they already learned a massive amount of uh, skills and they have so much knowledge about this stuff. Um, and yeah, they aren't going to be relied on for their memory, but applying medical knowledge is still a very human thing that requires some of the very best practitioners to have a human touch, not just like emotion, but the intuition that a a person brings to it. And what will happen sooner rather than later is that um, we need um, very smart doctors and nurses to be able to leverage this technology to, to take care to the next level. It's impossible without educated and very uh, competent and capable doctors and nurses. Um, and the faster they adopt this technology and learn to master it, the, the sooner we all get to take advantage of it and uh, increase our health. Absolutely. Which is, I'm, I I can't wait for the day it happens. Obviously, it might be a few years out, but it's happening. Well, speed it up because uh, no one wants to get the coronavirus again. Oh, geez, the fifth strand of it, the one that just kills everybody. No, oh, that's uh, pretty morbid. But okay, so that's it. Do uh, do we have any other stories? I, I think that's done? it. Uh, All right. Yeah. That's awesome. This has been uh, the VR Cure Daily News Podcast, episode number 31 for March 16th, 2020. Make sure you subscribe and share, and we will see you, and you'll hear us tomorrow. Take a, Take care and have a good one.